This is Dean Krauss, and you're listening to Not Elsewhere Classified. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number nine. As we're recording this, I am just going to keep this introduction very short. Reason being is that after reviewing this episode, by the way, it's Glenn Krauss. Uh, there's a lot of information that I had to go through in providing you the talking points and also the show notes. When you listen to this episode, uh, you'll notice that he goes right off the gate or right off the starting tracks. Uh, discussing a lot of things about clinical documentation improvement. Uh, He actually takes about a third of this interview, so uh, be prepared for that. So for those who don't know who Glenn Krauss is, Glenn Krauss is a very well-known clinical documentation improvement professional, especially with what he writes on LinkedIn. Uh, You'll listen to the episode and you'll notice how I connected with him, but boy, he does write a lot of information and it translated into this conversation. Some of the talking points that we do cover is why is CDI going in the wrong direction? Uh, We talk about why Glenn Krauss is passionate about CDI. You might want to listen to that uh, story. Uh, Really more about how to truly measure clinical documentation improvement. We go through a lot of stuff and I'm not going to go over it. I just want you guys to listen to that, but be prepared. There's a lot of information. So if you're going to try and uh, capture it all, please make sure to, you don't even have to do that. You just got to go over to our website, www.medicalcodinggeek.com slash podcast, where you'll find all the show notes and all of the key talking points. I put them all in there. That's why it's it, it's actually taken a while for me to do it. So again, medicalcodinggeek.com slash podcast. Make sure you guys check that out. So without further ado, here is Glenn Kraus. Enjoy. You sound real good. Sound like you're ready. All right. Yeah, well, I'm ready to go. Let's go. All right. So <laughs> I got, I'm already recording now. So anyways, all right, folks, everybody, welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. I have here someone who's re- <laughs> who's ready to talk, Glenn Krause. Glenn Krause, how are you today? Fine, thanks. Pleasure to be here. All right. So uh, Let's talk about how we connected. So, Glenn Krauss, I mean, I've, I've seen you on LinkedIn. You write a ton of material on clinical documentation improvement. I do, I do. And can, can you guess what we're going to talk about today? Clinical documentation improvement. That's so. right. It's my passion and, and my livelihood. Thanks. <laughs> so, we do have a lot to talk about. I, 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 you know, when I connected with Glenn, I said, you know what? I'm just going to give you the hour. You could say whatever you need to say about the industry. But before that, um, I'm sure people want to know about you. So, can you tell the audience about yourself? How you, you know, where you started, and how you got to where you're at today? Well, I started out as a coder back in 1994. I have an RHIA uh, designation, and I wanted to get into coding. And coding is a difficult. Uh, uh, it's an excellent. It's an excellent profession, 
and I stressed profession. Uh, uh, I had a little challenge getting my first job a foot in the door, uh, and I uh, was determined to be successful in coding, and I uh, I started my first coding job in Little Rock, Arkansas at the Children's Hospital there, and very, very, very grateful for them uh, offering me the opportunity to learn and uh, grow their program. And that's how I kind of started my profession in coding and migrated to, uh, to clinical documentation improvement even way back in 1995 before oh, wow. it was even called CDI. So I really, I, 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 I truly have a, uh, a heart in this. Uh, it's, it's my passion. And, and uh, I've seen uh, the, the profession grow uh, and, and take off. And now I now I believe it's uh, and I shouldn't say I believe I'm I'm confident in saying it's really going in the wrong direction. Uh, it's focusing too much on the reimbursement and 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 what's lost in the trans in the translation of our efforts on CDI is the fact that we're really truly not changing behavior of physicians. Uh, the we're we're focusing on getting the diagnosis. And uh, I don't. I'm. I'm not going to downplay that. That's important. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to say that's not important. Uh, the focus that we should be. Uh, we should. We should steer. Uh, we should steer back on track. And really, the focus of the CDI effort should be com communication of patient care. And when, when uh, CDI says that they're uh, improving the quality and the safety measures, that they're improving quality in terms of. Uh, I, uh, process measures uh, that you know the value modifier program and uh, uh, and the hospital acquired conditions patient safety indicators core measures sepsis bundles. Uh, however, they're not really truly uh, achieving uh, operational excellence in uh, promoting and achieving and actually. Uh, uh, providing measurable change or improvement in documentation, and and why I say that is, we're still getting we're, I, we're getting denials for medical necessity. Medical necessity, uh, majority of medical necessity denials, according to Medicare, every year in their cert program, uh, their cert program when they have the re, uh, final report for the cert program, it says the majority of denials for medical necessity are due to insufficient documentation. And now insufficient documentation means there's something in the chart, uh, there's something missing in the chart that uh, that helps uh, display or demonstrate or substantiates medical necessity. Uh, but we have a we have a separate bucket or category for the assert program errors, and one of them is well actually there's five. The first one is if you don't send in the requested charts, well that's a denial based on medical necessity. The second is uh, coding. The third is other, uh, other meaning it's a bucket where if it doesn't fit in the other four. The, the, the fourth is uh, insufficient documentation and the fifth is medical necessity. So if you look at the categories of insufficient documentation, uh, Medicare is saying there's something missing in the chart that, uh, that, that leads them to believe or comes to the conclusion that, that uh, we're not able to determine whether this service is medically necessary. So they give you some examples. Uh, missing the patient's name, missing the signature, having the wrong date for, from the date of the bill. Uh, but they also say uh, documentation that 
that that shows that the patient was seen or de demonstrates the the diagnosis or the severity of illness okay so they're not saying it's medically necessary they're saying that there's insufficient documentation medical necessity is really another uh, i think an offshoot of insufficient because medical necessity is based on insufficient documentation uh, meaning uh, the history of present illness is not uh, executed well for the mid to midnight rule or their medical necessity for doing a, a knee, knee or, a, uh, or a hip procedure. Uh, there's, there are certain requirements that Medicare expects to have to demonstrate medical necessity. Well, we don't have it. Well, that's the documentation insufficiency. Uh, if we have, uh, if we're doing, uh, if we're doing, if we're, if we have a patient who uh, stays too, uh, too, uh, too, uh, too over, uh, midnights in the hospital, well, we, they may start as observation and then uh, they get converted to inpatient. Well, if we don't have a good picture of how unstable the patient was for the need for hospitalization as an observation, then when you convert them to inpatient after the first midnight, the problem that we have is we have nothing to compare the instability of the patient or why does that patient need a second midnight in the hospital. And so all these areas of improvement and documentation, we are not addressing. Why? Because it's not in our repertoire of skill sets and core competencies. We're only, uh, we're only uh, uh, focusing and being trained and taught and conditioned to uh, uh, look for diagnoses. Okay. Uh, and it's almost like to me, Brian, it's almost like to me, uh, the dolls that we have that when girls were growing up when I was growing up. Uh, not that I had a doll, but you know, you you have kids. You see people with dog walking around with dolls. If you went to a party or something, right? And they, you know, those dolls. You pull, you pull the doll string, yeah. and it uh -huh. says, "I love you," or uh, "You're very nice," mm -hmm. or "It's a nice day out." Uh, it's almost the same thing. A pre-programmed. We're pre-programmed to look for okay respiratory distress. Look for respiratory failure. Okay. Mm. Uh, change in mental status. Or look for sepsis. Change in mental status, look for encephalopathy. Uh, chest pain, get it out of chest pain, get it to another DIG. Uh, and so it's almost like a preconceived notion of programming that, hey, if we, you know, if you see this, look for this. If you see this, look for this, ask for this. Okay, there's only one problem with that. We're not improving the documentation that goes around that, uh, around the, the, I call it the clinical facts, information, and context of the case. This podcast is brought to you by RadRx. RadRx is your prescription for accurate coding and reimbursement. They offer interventional and diagnostic coding, consulting, auditing, webinars, trainings, and resource materials. For the month of November, Medical Coding Geek and Not Elsewhere Classified followers will receive a 20% discount on their 2018 resources, including the 2018 edition of Cracking the IR Code and more. You can go to shop.radrx.com and use our promo code GEEK20 to claim your 20% discount. Again, use promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K, 20 when you go to shop.radrx.com. So if you think about it logically, if I'm an Alzheimer's review, I had one the other day. I was talking to one of my doctor colleagues who said, hey, I got some good denials today. What are they? Okay. Uh, so our humanities of the world, Cigna's, UHC, doesn't matter who it is. They have programs in place to say, okay, anytime you got one major CC or you got encephalopathy, metabolic, acute, uh, alcoholic, whatever you got, 
if you see it, pull the chart aside, have our outside company review the case, and we'll decide that we're not going to pay for it. Well, he had a case, two case here, where the patient, uh, uh, where, the, where, where the doctor said, uh, this, is, this is what the doctor said, I got it right here. Okay, this is an 81-year-old patient who came in with all the mental status. She has a history of UTIs. She doesn't have a catheter, but she's a demented patient, and she gets frequent UTIs because she has incontinence, okay? Uh, and she's kind of doesn't get around a lot. Uh, so uh, the first diagnosis in the assessment of the H&P was severe UTI uh, 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 repetitive in nature, okay? Then he says, number two, Metabolic encephalopathy due to number one. Okay, now, uh, okay, so the insurance company takes this case and they look at the H&P and uh, the exam says, under constitutional, physical exam, alert oriented in all spheres. <laughs> Time, place, person, and situation. Now tell me, how far does a reviewer go after that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's not going to go well, too And far. This, this is common. This is common, Brian. Yeah. Uh, 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 we have cases where, okay, uh, alert, no any times three and no distress. Okay, mm-hmm. acute respiratory failure. We asked the doctor for acute respiratory failure two days later. Do you think? Okay, here's another one. Two, uh, two midnight stay. A history of present illness. Mrs. Jones, a 75-year poor, unfortunate uh, female, well known to me, presents to the ER with chest pain of two days duration. Okay, well now I'm getting pretty good here, getting good information. Uh, she called emergency. Uh, uh, she called the ambulance. The ambulance picked her up. She had some associated shortness of breath, and she has uh, uh, she had initial uh, uh, chest pain of 10 out of 10 when she presented to the ER. Right now, pa- uh, at this time, patient doesn't complain of any chest pain or any shortness of breath. Okay. Then you ask the question: What is the patient doing in the hospital as an inpatient? Right. Okay. Then we ask the doctor: uh, Could this be GERD? It doesn't matter if it's good. If you don't have an indication for being in the hospital, <laughs> right. uh, you ain't going to get paid. Yeah, what's and the this point? is the this this is the piece that's missing from our programs. Mm-hmm. We were we're, we're we're reactionary. I call it transactional, reactionary, repetitive. Uh, we're transactional. Okay, we have software programs that tell you what are the cases of what the li- biggest likelihood of uh, a query for additional monies. Okay, I'm okay with that. But we're not fixing the documentation around it. We're not changing behavior. We're not. We're not. We're not improving documentation. Uh, and and so uh, we're asking for diagnoses that get disallowed from them, from, uh, or they get downcoded, or clinical validation denials. And we have the uh, 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 the data analytics being used by the insurance companies to say what are the cases that are seen to be overcoded based on the diagnosis. And of course, they see documentation doesn't support the diagnosis. Uh, we're almost playing into their game, into their hands. Uh, so what what really is needed is a true program of CDI, and that means focusing on what the record stands for. It stands for communication of patient care. Uh, and when we say communication of patient care, think about it from the standpoint of the uh, clinicians, whether it's a nurse practitioner, PA, respiratory therapist coming in to see the patient after the doctor orders it, consults, uh, pulmonary consult, infectious disease, they're dependent on that documentation to manage the case, not just the diagnosis. So the diagnosis is really an after-the-fact thing uh, for billing. We we need to focus on what what, what does the record stand for? William Osler, 
the father of modern medicine training, uh, who started with three other doctors, John Hopkins Medical School, the first medical school to have residency training on the floor, not just uh, theoretical textbook, but a classroom, on the floor, hands-on training. He, uh, I, I'm not, uh, he coined the phrase or the terminology, he was from Canada, uh, late 1800s to, I think, 1939 uh, was his lifespan. He said the record stands for observing, uh, let's see, re uh, recording, tabulating, and communicating, okay? Now, medicine has advanced trem tremendously since his time period. Uh, we have a gene therapy. We have targeted. Uh, we have drugs that are targeted towards specific genes and specific cells for chemotherapy so we don't we don't kill uh, precious uh, good cells in the interim. We have uh, we have uh, uh, IMRT for radiation therapy. Uh, we have minimally invasive techniques and so uh, surgeries and laparoscopic. But what has not changed is the record stands for observing, recording, tabulating, and communicating. And we when we're losing faith in that, we're losing sight. We don't we don't recognize that as sleep uh, specialists. We recognize diagnoses, and, and at this gesture, I don't see the profession really growing or really have, uh, fulfilling uh, our name of documentation improvement because we have the wrong goals, objectives, and vision. Well, our vision is reimbursement, and unfortunately, I'm going to be honest, uh, but professional about it. Uh, our consulting companies is what is holding us back. They, if you think, uh, if you look at the examiner situation. They come up with uh, uh, key performance indicators that are all based on task, number of queries, number of queries responded, number of charts reviewed, number number uh, number that uh, of queries that are affirmative, the number that the doctor didn't respond to, the number that the doctor disagreed with, uh, uh, the number that increased the case mix, the number that are CCs and MCCs. All these are based on tasks that turn into reimbursement. Now. I'm okay with it if it's that's if that's not the end. It's not ultimately the end point. The end point should be documentation improvement. To the extent, uh, uh, to me, documentation improvement means uh, to the extent a record can be used by another physician, uh, taken uh, taken over where the, the previous physician left off without having to review the entire record. That's the standard of documentation excellence. And that's not something we're getting. No, we're getting, <laughs> I can agree with you with that. Yes. Yeah, you know, we're getting cut and paste. We're getting a lot of noise. We're getting situation problems with situation awareness. We don't know what's going on with the a doctor. Will say to me, I ask the consultant all the time, "What's your biggest challenges of doing a consult?" And he'll say, "I don't know what's happening with the patient. Sometimes I don't even know why the consult is ordered. I spend more time asking the same questions the attending did, and the patient gets all in a tizzy because they've already answered that five times. Uh, but he has to do it because he doesn't know what's wrong with the patient. Well, that's a total waste of resources, number one. And number two, it does, it's a disservice to patients. And number three, it doesn't lend itself a good quality communication of care. So this is the problem, or this is the challenges. Uh, it's all related to the... I, I believe the structural foundation in the in the box that we're in. We're almost in a box. We're not allowed to deviate from the box because we get measured as a CDI specialist based on uh, task-based uh, ta task measures. 
Okay, I can I had to report how many queries I left, how many charts I reviewed, how many I followed up on. Okay, we get we get so involved in this that we lose touch with uh, actually uh, uh, actually reviewing the case. We're almost like auditing them. We're not reviewing them, and that's a big difference to me. Uh, uh, if you have to re review 25 records in a day, that's the standard. How do you have time to have a conversation with a doctor? This podcast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. In need of great talent for your business but short on time, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. You can even get a head start on the interview process by adding screening questions to your job posts to help identify the most qualified candidates so you don't have to waste your time sorting through a stack of resumes to find the perfect fit. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, listeners of this podcast can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. Uh, and the other piece, uh, well, it's true. I, I mean, no, I, I'm laughing I, because it is true. It is true. So, I mean, you think could, think about the situation. And we'll touch well, on I, it a little I'm, bit more. Yeah, keep yeah. Going. Keep going. Uh, but my my blog, I, one of my blogs on my LinkedIn, one of the people said to me, "Hey, uh, uh, I leave queries just just for the sake of leaving queries because I have to leave a certain number a day. That's ridiculous. I mean, it should be the queries should be uh, decreasing." Uh, and I once went for a job at one of the big teaching hospitals in New York, and I didn't get the job because I know why. The CFO asked me, "What are you? What's your take on queries?" And I say, "What do you mean? Could they be trending up, down, uh, staying about the same?" I say, "They should be going down, depending on your maturity or a program." Well, he said to me, "Queries should be staying at the same level or increasing because they mean money." Well, I didn't give him the right answer, so I didn't get the job. <laughs> But I wasn't, but I was, oh, but no. I'm firm in my conviction. I'm not going to tell them queries to me. You know, I just wrote a, I just wrote a blog. It's going to be on the talk 10 Tuesday, ICD 10 monitor. Okay. Uh, and it was, it was in, uh, it was in response to the actors, not actors, the uh, HEMA's practice brief on engagement of physicians. And I, uh, and I, I commend them for putting it together the piece that's missing is how do you engage physicians if you're not engaging them in the right thing? You're engaging them in answering queries and not, uh, uh, and it says one of the requirements of engagement and one of the fundamentals is providing uh, actionable data back to the physicians. All right, so well, hold, what on. Kind of hold on, hold on, let's, let's take... <laughs> <laughs> let's take let's, let's take ridiculous. it. I know. Let's let's take it a step back. You've already went like through half of my half of my questions. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's no, okay. That's okay. No, that's all right. That's very good. So we can we could always come back to it. So let me. Let, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I wrote yeah, a couple yeah, of yeah. things. I wrote a couple of things. All right. So man, you you you've like went through like, golly, like twenty. Well, I, I I I don't think you uh, I don't think you gave me the questions. If no, did, that's okay. No, that's okay. That's okay. I didn't, I didn't read them, but I, I like um, it. Uh, I. I think I'm just speaking my mind here. Yeah, no, I want to make sure that we're. You know, I want to organize those those uh, those thoughts. So let's let's take a 
way step back. Let's go back to 1995, okay? You mentioned 1995, right? So before that, you were doing coding. And then 1995, you said you started doing CDI. What was that transition point of from going into coding and to realizing, you know what, CDI is what I should do? Well, to be honest, my I worked for a consulting company in Tennessee, and I was paired up with Dr. Robert Gold. Oh, you know okay. Dr. Gold, yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, and he's my mentor, and I certainly miss him. Yeah. And uh, you know, one one thing I talked to him the day before he passed away. Okay. And he was uh, not in good shape then, but he told me, and this this is true. I, I'm not making this up. He told me, Glenn. Please keep the legend going. Please keep my message going. Okay, so that's why I'm very passionate because I I held him in high esteem. He he really groomed me from being a coder to being a clinical coder, to being a clinician. And he encouraged me to go to medical school and to be honest, I I get up every morning and I I kick myself really truly uh because uh it was it's kind of my mark. I I know how to document I got good people skills. I'm I'm not a doctor, but I certainly have a lot of clinical knowledge. And uh and I and I certainly can see myself every day when I see physicians when I'm in the hospital, I just say you know, I could be one of them. And so I take it personally uh to help physicians do the right thing because physicians want to do the right thing. They just don't know what's right from the documentation and and what we're doing now is not truly documentation improvement. So I kind of made a leap into CDI because uh, this is what the company was doing. And uh, I worked with Dr. Gold for, I don't know, eight, eight years before he started his own company. And uh, and he, 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 he got me interested in learning about documentation beyond just diagnosis and coding. And that's how I, I kind of have a, I, I developed a vision for, okay, what does documentation stand for? How can we help physicians parallel their clinical judgment and medical decision-making to be accurate and reflective of the work they perform? And that's what really CDI is about, is is getting the, getting the doctor's clinical judgment and medical decision-making and thought processes to be reflective of the work they obviously perform. You know, clinging, uh, cognitive skills is something they learn uh, through their whole residency program, student. Uh, and and if you look at E&Ms and RVUs, they're based on what? Three, three principles. The first is your malpractice assurance, your practice expense. If you, well, obviously you're in a hospital, you don't have practice expense, but you have malpractice and you also have work. The RVUs are work, the work performance. Well, that's the piece that we should be focusing on. That's what I learned from Dr. Gold. This is what I believe CDI is about, is the helping the doctor portray the work that he actually, he or she performed and developing a, developing a, a, a documentation, uh, I guess, roadmap in your head to emulate your thought processes. Uh, and it's, it starts with, okay, chief complaint. What brings the patient in? Now, I, 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 I believe every CDI specialist should have Bates Guide to History and Physical. It's the best $129 I've ever spent. Uh, you read it, you get a good appreciation for how a history and physical is done and how the doctors should do a history and physical. We're not here to tell doctors how to practice medicine. That's not our role. Our role is to help capture the doctor's uh, 
thought processes uh, going from their head to their actions uh, uh, and to the care provided. And if you define clinical judgment as the assessment of a patient's particular clinical scenario and the initiation of action congruent with the assessment, let's take a step back and say, how does that impact uh, CDI? Well, uh, we should be able to review an H&P and say, okay, I know there's more going on. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the definition, as I said, is an assessment of a patient's particular clinical scenario. We should be thinking like the physician. What brought the patient in? What's their chief complaint in their own words? Uh, do I have a good history of present illness? There's eight elements to a history of present illness. Do I have at least four? You need four history of present illness to for the doctor to be able to bill a level two, a level one, excuse me, a level two. If you don't have four history of present illness, you can't even bill a level one initial 99221. So uh, we're not here to help the physician, but if we can help them understand how it impacts their business, the, that gains respect and credibility. And uh, and so the base guide was a guide to me to say, okay, how do I review a case? How do I be proactive? How do I engage physicians in, in earning my trust and respect? Because uh, they just don't give it to you. Uh, once you have that in place, then then the sky's the limit on documentation improvement. You can you can you can do edu you can I don't call them educational sessions. I call it knowledge sharing. Right. What is the best practice of documentation? What are the standards? Uh, what can I share with my physician uh, to make his life easier in terms of communicating patient care? Because you know one of the biggest challenges that physicians have is there, as you, and I know firsthand because I'm on the floor. A buzzer, the, 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 the pager's going off, the, 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 the cell phone's going off, the ER's calling, the case manager wants the doctor to see a patient, the parent family, the family doesn't like the discharge plan, and I got four patients, patients to discharge, three to go and admit in the ER, and I have an insurance company that doesn't want to pay for this discharge plan. Uh, last thing on the doctor's mind is documentation. If I can, he, I can help he or she become more proficient at getting into the record, EHR, doing my documentation uh, in, in clear, accurate, concise, and consistent, precise manner, uh, that's, that's documentation improvement. And so this is, uh, this is the piece we really need to uh, become more knowledgeable in. Uh, unfortunately, it's not in the frame structure and framework of what we're doing. This podcast is brought to you by the Haugen Consulting Group. The Haugen Consulting Group is your trusted partner in healthcare consulting, education, and auditing. They also believe fun is non-negotiable. Coming up on November 14th, 2017 at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, the Haugen Consulting Group will be holding a live webinar, Billing for a Preventative Visit and a Sick Visit, presented by Shia Lunt. This one-hour webinar will describe when and how to build a preventative service along with a sick visit and the documentation required. Plus, check out their popular flip bits. It's a great hands-on resource. I have one for ICD-10 PCS coding, and it's great. Listeners of this podcast will receive a 15% discount if you use the promo code GEEK15. Again, that's geek one five. If you go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop. Again, for your 15% discount, use our promo code geek one five at www.thehaugengroup.com slash shop. Let me let me ask this question. You mentioned a book. You said Bates. Can you give me like kind of what what is that book again? 
Bates Guide to History and Physicals. Bates Guides to History and Physicals. Okay, so I'm yeah, going to make the sure. Best book that, it's the best book that CDI specialists should, uh, would ever spend their money on. Okay, so Bates. All right, so I'll make sure I'll put that in the notes for you. It's a green. It has a green cover. It's uh-huh. been around for 30 years. They uh-huh. update it every, every couple of years. And it has a nice CD-ROM in there, okay? And it, and it actually, you can actually see pay, uh, doctors interviewing patients. Now, you mentioned a very good point, is the fact of CDI, the purpose, the, well, one of the things that CDI should be doing is helping physicians, right? So That's, that's right. So what are, what are CDI programs doing now to physicians, I think they're they're using them. I, I my my interpretation of what we're doing today is uh, is uh, treating physicians as targets, uh, Indians shooting arrows at at uh, at, uh, at the at the physicians, uh, like a like a uh, like a like a lion hunt or a bear hunt. And I don't mean to be you know. I think that's a good analogy. I don't. I'm not calling physicians lions or bears. But if you think about if you examine the whole the whole industry, you'd be surprised how many CDI people work remote. How can you work remote and do nothing more than send queries? Uh, that's that to me is not CDI. Uh, you don't you don't you lose that touch to provide that two minute discussion on documentation. And the example uh, the example is if I see a case that maybe there's not enough information or it's too late to maybe I didn't get to it till Monday but the patient came late. Uh, Friday night, I may say to the physician, "Hey, what are your thoughts on this?" Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I may say, maybe not, maybe not now, maybe not. This is not the good time to document because this was Friday when they came in, and I'm talking on a Monday. In the future, may want to consider this documenting it this way to best uh, portray the patient's acuity of respiratory distress, because uh, you know you're not going to update an H and P four days later. Just not going to happen. Uh, so you may say, here's, you may, here's what you may want to consider, you know, and you can do it in two or three minutes. Uh, but how do you do that if you're doing queries uh, remotely? I think that's the missing skill with CDI is that, is that definite, um, you know, connection with people. You know, that's, oh, absolutely. That's one thing that we, we, we definitely miss is just the fact that, you know, most CDI programs are looking for people to do just that, the, the task queries. base, the queries, the reviewing of the charts, all of that stuff. But that, I think really what's right. missing is the fact that we're not connecting with physicians better. Oh, absolutely. And, that is, uh, and, the, and there's, there's, there's uh, programs where there's CDI people uh, sit in a room and send queries. I, I was interviewed for a CDI job out in Portland, Oregon. I asked them how, how uh, what are the doctors like on the floor? Do you, are they running away? Are they are they open to your? Oh, we don't do that. What do you do? Oh, we we have a centralized area for five hospitals, and we come in and we query. Mm-hmm. It's like really, right. no thanks to that job. I didn't take that job. Yeah, because it, it definitely can take a toll, especially also on the CDIs, because you know that's all they're doing day in day out, day in day yeah, out, yeah, reviewing charts, day, day, doing day in, and I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that every day. I did that for like six months. Uh, 50 hours a week after they said, we'd like you to come back. No, I know you would, but I ain't. <laughs> so I think, chance. so I think what, so, you know, we, I, I, I can agree the, the Q word, the queries is not effective. It's not a, a best way of measuring. No, 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 it's uh, not. Measuring a CDI program. No, no, no. And I come up with some key KPIs that I think are, that I know are, are, are valid, they're reliable, they're measurable, 
and they and and they actually measure uh, uh, their their performance targets. Their, they they measure uh, the effectiveness of what we're doing, and I I say the number of queries should be going down. That's our KPI. If we keep the same queries or they're going up. And we can we can we can, uh, and we can segregate by type of diagnosis. Then I say that's a failure. Uh, if we have if we have more uh, if we have uh, uh, if we have uh, uh, increasing denials for clinical validation or DRG downcodes, to me that's a that means we have insufficient documentation. So what's the volume in dollar? What are the medical necessity denials? If they're going up. Uh, trending up not not technical denials but medical necessity denials for inpatient then i think that's a measure of failure of the program if if i have if there what are the number of queries i have to leave after the fact uh that means we missed something up front that should be a, a kpi what are the number of the queries what is the dollar amount of the queries that we on average we have on the in the shelves or not bill discharge not final bill they're coded but not final build that should be one of our KPIs. Uh, the, the the number of denials. Glenn, Glenn I'm sorry. What, what is KPI for those that, that uh, key performance indicators? Thank you very much. Keep going. <laughs> Continue. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's for the audience. Probably like, what's what's KPI? So I'm like, okay. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. You know, okay. And okay. so and so, uh, what we what we what we truly what we truly are looking for uh, is measurable uh, performance targets. Uh, and and like I said. Uh, number of uh, queries post post uh, coding post discharge, uh, the, the volume, okay, the number, the dollar amount, uh, the the case mix that goes with them, that the uh, the time, the average time that they or they're on hold because you can calculate the time value of money, uh, uh, the number of uh, 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 the the number of uh, the, the 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 total dollar volume of dollars compared uh, in in net dollars, okay, uh, that means what the insurance company would pay, uh, not to not to gross what we build, but the net, the net patient revenue percentage of those denials. So if I if I say, uh, I, if I say uh, that we have a uh, we we have uh, a case mix index increase of 0.06 this month, then I I think what we should be measuring is the is the take that case mix index increase of 0.06, then subtract the, the, the case mix index uh, uh, from the DRGs that were denied for medical necessity, clinical validation. Uh, what is the what is the net impact of those denials and subtract it from my case mix increase and come up with a real figure? Because we shouldn't be we shouldn't be taking credit for stuff that we didn't get paid for. That's a KPI. What's this? That's like saying I told a physician once. Okay, I know a CDI director. Let me ask you a question. She she says, "Yeah, go ahead. Uh, if you work, if, uh, if you work at Macy's and you sell uh, uh, a dress or you sell, let's say, shoes, okay, and you and you get them to buy the bag because uh, you get a commission, and they bring back the bag three days later because they don't need it. What happens to the commission that you got for selling that? They take it back. That's exactly what we should be thinking with with." Uh, uh, with um, uh, 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 CDI, if we get credit for increasing the case mix, if it's disallowed, why should we get credit for it? Does that make sense, Brian? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so those are some of the things that we should be measuring. We shouldn't be just measuring number of queries, case mix increase, because that gives you an artificial number. It's not it's not something you take to the bank. Yeah, and I think also with the CMI, it's not a true indicator of what's happening, you know, what CDI is doing to, you know, CDI is not a big, huge impact, because keep in mind also... No, you got, you got surgeons, you can have exactly, a trach, you, couple, you can have a couple of traits, jack up my case mix, take out the traits, and you have no increase. Right. So, uh, for, so for those that are listening, uh, you know, because we want to make sure <laughs> the audience uh, understands, you know, with the case mix index, it's an indicator of of things in terms of resources that are being used in the hospital. Now, it could be measured by, you know, month, by quarter, by year, by some annually. But but the, the gist of the CMI is how, uh, what kind of resources are being applied, how severe the patients are. And, you know, what, we're, what, what Glenn is trying to portray is the fact that, you know, with CDI programs, uh, most CFOs see a CMI and they totally, like, automatically relate it to a CDI department. And, and that's not true. Most CDI departments kind of refute that. Says, you know what? That's not really a true indicator of our success. You know, because you got to look at it from a population health perspective. What's what's going on? What's going on with the uh, hospital? Are they, you know, doing more surgeries, or perhaps is there more sicker people here, or is this a certain time of year that uh, that's too happening? Too many variables. Yeah. So there's so many variables that cannot exactly pinpoint. And and you make a very good point. The CMI is not really a true indicator of how a CDI program should be because I had one time, you know, somebody had told me that their their CFO had called them asking, well, what, why why is our CMI lowering? You know, and then the CDI director's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I can't really, you can't, you really base our CDI program on CMI just because it lo- raises and increases or decreases, we shouldn't be doing more queries. And and so that, that, that correlation between CMI and CDI performance is definitely not not in the same wavelength. Well, and unfortunately, this is how CDI consulting companies sell their programs. Now, let me let me jump over to the CFOs. You mentioned CFOs. I think yeah. you know. I think the biggest problem, also, like you say, is the consulting companies feeding this this information to CFOs. Now, like, wh- why? Wh- I mean, the C. I think to, to, what I'm trying to get at is, you know, in order to make change, you have to go to the top. They have to be educated. So, yeah, that's my point. So what? So what are some of the key education points? Because I know you know when you talk to you know healthcare executives, they have a certain type of mindset of the almighty dollar, as quoted by uh, Cesar Limhoko, the almighty dollar. So how yeah, do you, yeah, how do you yeah, get yeah, your yeah, how, right, do, how, how do you get your how do you like like if if we were to go like me and you and everybody else that has the same vision, if we were to go to a healthcare executive. What yeah. is it that we need to tell them to truly understand the true purpose of CDI? This podcast is brought to you by AccessAdoctor.com. Access a doctor when you need it most. How would you like to have quick and easy access to licensed doctors 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? Instead of scheduling an appointment to see a doctor or going to the emergency room or urgent care, you simply make one phone call and a doctor will provide you with a consultation, diagnose your medical problem, and even call in a prescription to your local pharmacy. Some of the conditions that can be treated using accessadoctor.com include cold and flu symptoms, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, allergies, skin infections or rashes, and even eye and ear infections. Listeners of this podcast can get a discount on their single and family membership plans, 
by going to accessadoctor.com and using our promo code GEEK, that's G-E-E-K, upon signing up. Again, that's accessadoctor.com. And the promo code is GEEK, G-E-E-K. Well, let me give you an example. I think this will be good, okay? Yeah. I was at an HFMA present, uh, 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 meeting in Chicago, First Illinois uh, chapter of HFMA, about a year and a half ago. My, my uh, VP of business development, the company where I worked, introduced me to the VP of revenue cycle of one of the teaching hospitals in Chicago. Pretty big hospital, 800 beds. So uh, my my uh, my colleague said, "Hey, uh, so and so, Glenn, I'd like you to meet so and so." Oh yeah, nice to meet you. Hey, uh, and then I was introduced as a CDI a subject matter expert, and he his eyes light lit up. Uh, true story here. And so he said, "I said, hey, how's your?" He said, "He says we had a great program. We just had a we just had a quarterly review by a consulting company. He mentioned the company name. And then he says." Uh, uh, and we, 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 our query rate is right up there at uh, 65 or uh, 75%. Wow. Uh, we, wow. Respo- that's, that's ridiculous. Well, I won't go there on that one. <laughs> our response rate is uh, 80%, and, uh, uh, and our case mix is one up this amount. Okay, that's how, that's, that's the traditional consulting company way of saying your program's working. <laughs> okay. so, I, so I asked them, without even thinking, I mean, I just came on top of my head. I said, hey, that's great. You know, because I wanted to say, you know, you know, hey, that's good. Hey, uh, but uh, let me ask you a question, Mr. CFO. Yeah, I'm a VP of Revenue Cycle. Uh, how much of that, uh, is that cash you took to the bank? And he said, uh, wait a minute. He said, uh, then, he, then you can see him thinking. And his, uh, his the, you can see the light bulb went off. And his, uh, he says, he's uh, without even maybe a minute, he says, you know what? You got a point. My case mix is going up, but how much of that is turning into the net patient revenue? About a week, I said, yeah, that's right. Go back and look at your denials and clinical validation and down codes. Quanta, get get those from your denials department, and then uh, give call me back and tell me how it's going. And he called me back and he says, uh, hey, by the way, uh, uh, I like your concept. Can you come meet with my CFO and myself and our CDI director to go over your vision? Okay. And all I had to say was, is that uh, gross revenue turning into cash? Uh, uh, what, how is your program impacting your cost to collect? Cost to collect is a very important number because if you have high cost to collect, it comes right off your bottom line. Uh, and, uh, and what's your, what's your clean, what's your clean claim rate? Uh, meaning, uh, what percentage of your claims are paid without, without a uh, part of this clean claim rate is how many claims, uh, were paid the DIG that you build and how many, uh, how many were downcoded and how many did you have to, uh, appeal and we can put a cost on how much it costs to appeal and how many, how many were uh, uh, were re- requested uh, records? Because that slows down the the billing process. They wait to check the record. You know, you're talking about 60 days additional. Uh, a traditional Medicare, if it's a clean claim, goes through, uh, and you get paid between 14 and 21 days on average. Okay. If you have to send, if you get additional documentation requests from insurance companies, Medicare. You're, you're talking about 60 to 75 days because you they send you the the ADR then you got to send it in uh, you have what 30 45 days to send in 
and then uh, they have 60 days to, to respond back. So uh, we're talking 90 days. Uh, in, let's say they pay it. The problem is now your now your cost of collect is, is increased because you don't have that cash that you could have in the bank making interest to make payroll, to invest in the stock market. So these are the things that we should be asking uh, the CFOs to, to really impress upon them. Please don't consider your case mix the end all and be all. That's not, that's not a reliable measure. That's a reliable measure if you want to go along with the CDI consulting companies who are making millions. Right. And that's what I told right. them. I think also from a from a CMI perspective, you know, in defense of CDI departments is the fact that they don't review all cases. <laughs> they don't review all payers. We don't review. We don't necessarily review all the all the cases. And uh, and if you don't have seven day a week coverage, there's no way you can cover uh, review all the cases. And that brings up another point. If you're using this software, uh, and I won't mention any names for the interest of mm -hmm. professionalism. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you use the software that that you get emails about from these companies, hey, uh, uh, why review records uh, if they have no chance of uh, increasing reimbursement? Increase your efficiency and return on investment by our software. Focus on those with the highest propensity for increased reimbursement and queries. That means you're not looking at charts that could be denied because you don't have good documentation of the reason for the patient being there. You see my point? No, right. I think, you know, when they think CMI, I mean, they think CDI program, but then in actuality, the manpower to, 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 for a CDI pro program to affect CDI is not there. <laughs> it's, it's just a very small portion. Yeah. yeah. And I think okay. So, so we should have enough. We should have, we, uh, and that brings up another interesting point, yeah, Brian. Yeah. If you're going to structure the CDI program, please don't go by what the CDI companies say. It's a standard of between the advisory board says between 2,000 and 2,200 uh, records you could read uh, once per CDI. Okay, not if you're reviewing cases. I don't. Uh, if you're reviewing cases for communication and patient care, that's not the number. If you if you're auditing cases for money, that's the number. Okay, it, uh, 25 charts a day. You don't have time to talk to the physician. Your head's in the chart looking. And I think you make a good point. Is the fact of you know the you know. CDI, the actual department, the actual staff unit itself, the duties, the policies and procedures have 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 gotten a bit complicated. <laughs> you know? Oh well, you know they 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 well, look at look at this, look at that severity of illness, risk mortality, API. What do I need to do to shift this DIG from a symptom to a? Uh, uh, it's just robotic. It's transactional robotic. We're not we're not critical thinkers. We're not we're not change agents. We're not. We're not think we don't think uh, outside the box because when well, we're not taught to do so. When we're looking at that, the, the actual CDI department itself, the staff, you know, and things like that, I, and you make a very good point of the fact that we are uh, the staff is drilled or trained uh, to do certain amount of cases, look at certain aspects, look at doing things, certain amount of things, and you make a good point of the fact that we don't have the time to get out there and talk with physicians now that's right now i mean i know chart reviews are good and i, I think uh, queries you know we can agree are not the good thing that's happening with the cdi program no right? it's not so i think probably the best way in in my view is when we're looking at when we see an opportunity it should go straight to the physician and more more or less is more trying to get them educated or like you say open communication, open uh, communication. knowledge session that's right. Uh, knowledge sharing. Yeah, knowledge sharing. And I, and, Go ahead. and I call them open door forums, not 
not educational sessions, open door forums to share knowledge, to share best practices, have a dialogue. Uh, I don't believe in lecturing physicians. The best way physicians to learn is to provide the facts and let them come to their own conclusion. And I think that's that's the problem nowadays is the fact that because we are targeting the targeting physicians or most programs are targeting physicians, yeah, physicians feel the same way. And because of that, there is going to be some form of lashback because of the fact they're being targeted, you know. But just like I said, we're like bows and arrows. Right. And we're going at them. I mean, we get these different names like documentation bounty hunters, uh, you know, stop chasing me around for the money. You know, it's not, you know, those those reimbursement money, money, money grubbers. Right. And they I mean, most times when queries are placed, they feel, well, well, will this increase the reimbursement of the hospital if I write it this way? So yeah. Then, you know, and, and, and the problem is we give them the same song and dance. And I put that in my in my in my paper for my article for next Tuesday at the. Talking to talk 10 Tuesday, you know, uh, their practice brief says, uh, uh, educate physicians and, and have a training program. But uh, it all defi- it all depends or define it, it hinges on how you define training. Uh, if you provide them with uh, with the right knowledge sharing of what's the best practice, how do you write a good HP? What's the good progress note? What does a progress note stand for? What's a good discharge summary? That's information that physicians want to hear. If you tell them I need repetitively, uh, please write this down. It increases the severity of illness. Uh, to me, if I'm thinking like a physician because I think earlier I said I missed my calling. If I if I got a query that said, could you please clarify whether it's A, B, or C, or D, or unable to determine, I'd be a little uh, taken back because you're asking me to ask. Are you ask? I had a physician say to me once. Uh, when you put down on able to determine, are you you were questioning my intelligence? I said no. That's unfortunately this is what our association says we have to do, and I'm I'm obligated to follow the guidelines. I say I'm not comfortable doing it because of a doctor. Ninety nine percent of the time has some uh, clinical uh, uh, a clinical appreciation for what this diagnosis is, even if I don't prove something, and there's no proving in medicine except for pulmonary embolism when you do a uh, autopsy and find the embolism. There's no proof in medicine. It's your clinical judgment. Let me show you how to, to uh, document concisely uh, uh, a very important part of the practice of medicine, your clinical judgment, because that's what you get paid on. Uh, uh, we can't do it now because we, it's not in our skill set. It's not expected. It's not something that's in our toolkit. Tool we're not taught how to do it. And because we're 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 confined to a very small space uh, of uh, what the record uh, what we're trying to do with the record, we cannot change behavior because we don't know how to change behavior. And I and uh, I and that's that's the fundamental flaw of CDI is that we don't ha- we don't have the skill sets to do the right thing. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. How many of you are Star Wars fans? If you watched The Force Awakens, you were introduced to a chrome-plated stormtrooper by the name of Captain Phasma. In the movie, she didn't have much of a role, which sparked my curiosity. So for my next book, I decided to get Phasma, Journey to Star Wars, The Last Jedi Novel by Delia S. Dawson, narrated by January Lavoy. Now, what I liked about this audiobook is that you listen to a performance rather than someone reading a book to you. You can hear the contrast in characters and even some recognizable theme scores and galactic sound effects. 
After listening to the story, I became very curious of how Captain Phasma's role will play in the next Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. If you're a Star Wars fanatic like me, you would want to listen to this audiobook, and guess what? You can get it for free. Yes, free. To download your free audiobook today and support the podcast, all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash necpodcast. Again, for your free audiobook, that's audibletrial.com slash necpodcast. That makes sense? No, right. I think it's, it's, it's trying to focus on behavior, right? And we're trying to... Uh, and even attitude. Attitude definitely is something to look at for, for physicians to see from a, from a CDI program. One thing that I, I, I always wonder is, you know, do CDI programs ask physicians what they think of CDI programs? Has any- oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, Brian, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wrote in my paper, um, I, and I don't mean to refer back oh, to no, it, no, but sure, you, sure, yeah. you, you, bring back, you bring, bring forth interesting concepts. So I said an engaged physician advisor who's going to engage, expected to engage doctors with a message, and needs to have the needs to be given the opportunity to evaluate and observe our programs and see what the limiting factors of theory on the theory of limiting constraints, what's missing that's not allowing us to get receive optimal value or or, 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 or change behavior. What is the critical pieces that are missing? Uh, because that's going to engage the physician advisor, and if he's engaged in in really building and bu- building out and improving our CDI program, then he's going to be engaged to help other doctors who can he can engage in the same practice. So it's not about uh, uh, every everyone says a physician advisor is needed. We don't need a physician advisor to perpetuate this lim- limited model we have. I want the physician advisor to be engaged by under- by coming up with his own conclusions that what we're doing is not going to change behavior. And so, if you're going to have a physician advisor, uh, let's not pi- let's not uh, pigeon them into a box and say, "Here's what we're doing. Uh, t- try to get doctors to go with it." No. Mm. Uh, we should be asking doctors, how can we help you? Right. It should be the other way around. Uh, I want to give you an example. I started the job at Shady Grove Washington, and Washington Adventist, a part of the Adventist health system out of Florida and California. They have two hospitals in Maryland. So I, for the first few days, I got to know the staff in the department. Then the third day, I went on the floor, and I introduced myself to the uh, physicians and I said I'm the new manager and some of them said oh you're you're, how, you're the fourth one we had in a year and I said to myself oh no uh, the, look what I'm getting myself into and I said I have a different philosophy we know all about CDI it's about the hospital I say no 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 it's about the physician they said we heard that line before I start walking away I say well wait wait a minute I say my my I've been doing this for 24 years before it's become really focused on reimbursement, and my goal is to help you help your practice become more efficient at documentation, reduce the hassle factor of queries, reduce the hassles of uh, queries from the coders, uh, and practice medicine the way you want to. Is that agreeable with you? And he said, well, you know what? I never heard someone say that, and I've, I've been we've been harassed by for these CDI people for 10 years. They gave me a chance. And, uh, you know, and I'm proud to say to, to, uh, after about six months, uh, some of the physicians actually sought me out. And I'm not here to break. I'm just here to say uh, I earned their trust and respect. And I had neurologists that have me paid to try to find me 
uh, infectious disease wanted to know how they're doing with their critical care. Uh, they read that critical care is being a prepayment audit. Can they look at some of their cases and see uh, how they're doing? Can I make some suggestions for how they tighten up critical care? I had I had uh, 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 GI doctors want to know a little bit more about how do I do a consult uh, and, and show that it's a consult versus just a concurrent care. Uh, 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 you know, this is the type of interaction that uh, I uh, makes me feel you know, very proud of what I do is because physicians are asking questions. They're not we're not asking them questions. They're asking us questions, not about diagnosis, right. how to document effectively. Right. That's what a program is about. And unfortunately, we don't have the skill set to do that because I consider myself unique. Right. And I, I think, you know, you make a good point is the fact that I think we're, we're, most programs should be called query departments versus... Yeah, well, you know, I call it clinical CRI part. All you right. know, I, I called it once CRI in one of my blogs, Ryan. And when I applied for a job in Georgia as a one of these staffing companies, I got an answer back from the staffing company uh, that they said they saw one of my blogs about uh, how I thought about CDI and I'm not a good fit. You know what I called CDI? CRI, Clinical Reimbursement Improvement, and they didn't like it, but that's what it is. That's uh, what it is. That's what it is right now. And I think, you know, the the what's the the I mean, it's really simple. What is the missing point? Is documentation improvement? That's and, right. And who, and who is the person that's doing that? Is the physician? So who should we be helping? Is should we should be helping the hospital or should we be helping no, the no, physician? No, no, helping the physician. And then the byproduct is and the byproduct of communication of patient care. That's that that concise, clear, precise, uh, and consistent and accurate is the patient. We should be calling ourselves patient advocates. Right. And I, you make a good point because at the ACDIS conference, I know ZDOG uh, was over there. And, uh, you know, ZDOG is a, is a very big big advocate of making sure physicians aren't burnt out. And I think, you know, nowadays physicians are totally burnt out with everything that they have to do, all of this stuff. And then on top of that, CDI, uh, in, in such a way that programs are, like you say, targeting them. So I think, you know... A good message that, we, you know, whoever's listening to this today, if you're a CDI department director, if you're a CDI specialist, especially if you're a healthcare executive, if you're a CFO, this episode is you know, presented the best to way you of improving your medical documentation coding is tutoring to improve network. your relationship. We're not just a physician. Finding medical coding yeah. memes you Two see on social media or also a growing okay, network so experience. So tell me what is professionals. in the future. We do not offer prep courses or education programs. Rather, we offer focused one-on-one -on -one tutor sessions that will give you what you exactly need to help you pass your exam. We offer tutoring for the CCS, CPC, RHIT, RHIA, and CDI certification exams. If you want to find out if our tutoring services is what you need to progress in your career, go to medicalcodinggeek.com. Also, we're looking to grow our network of tutors. If you're interested in joining our team, go to medicalcodinggeek.com. Future? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, the future is I'm actually... 
uh, working for a uh, consulting company uh, in the DC area, and I've, I've been charged or tasked with uh, developing a model, a business case, and bringing a uh, bringing a conception, bringing bringing a concept to market of uh, a CDI program uh, that truly represents the word CDI. That's that prov that provides measurable and valid recognizable, sustainable improvement in documentation to the extent that it actually supports population health initiatives, that it supports the communication of patient care and all the ancillary services that depend totally on the quality of documentation, whether it's a social worker, discharge planner, UM, UR, safety, compliance, uh, uh, quality measures, uh, resource consumption, best practices, uh, and that's what I'm. That's what my future is: is trying to, trying to develop that service line, uh, obviously uh, in a profitable way, but to really serve the needs uh, of the uh, potential clients. And uh, our motto uh, for the company, and I'm not here to advertise, but this is why I, I I'm up to the challenge and was was interested in this position is on our web, on the website it says uh, we develop solutions that are tailored to the client's needs in other words we do not take a product or service line off the shelf and say here it is let's get started sign here we want to we, we want to be able to uh, interview the client potential client understand what their challenges and needs and and uh, and 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 uh, assimilate what our viewpoint is to what CDI stands for communication and patient care with a byproduct of reimbursement that's sustainable without being second guessed or alleviate that cost to collect uh, and and best serves the patients and the doctor's needs engages physicians uh, and truly represents the words clinical documentation improvement so that's my uh, my, that's kind of my, uh, I would say, three or four year goal because it takes, a, obviously, it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, and I'm I'm going to continue to uh, uh, do blogging and on a crusade, if you will, to really get out the message that CDI is something that can be beneficial. It's just not uh, as beneficial as it can today because why? We have the wrong vision, goals, and objectives. And we haven't defined we haven't defined what CDI is. You know, I'm going to close by saying, Brian, if we if we don't know, if we haven't established what the benchmark is for documentation improvement, then how do we measure it? What best advice could you give our audience? Best advice? Okay. Now, I think the best advice for those in the CDI is to 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 stand up and to uh, and to promote. The value that we can bring to the table, the expansive, ex, expansive breadth of knowledge that we can uh, uh, obtain to really contribute to the welfare of the patient, to doc help the doctor navigate the, the challenging waters of documentation and the business of uh, documentation and the need for quality documentation under the uh, uh, merit-based incentive payment system and the quality initiatives that doctors are going to have to achieve. Uh, uh, we're going to have to, uh, I'd say, best message is to our association collectively and individually as CDI specialists, uh, uh, make that case, get outside the box, uh, uh, demonstrate the, 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 the true contributions we can, can make and achieve, and it's not going to happen overnight. We're going to have to really continue to work on it, and don't be content with your 
uh, are complacent with the status quo, uh, uh, the, the the market for or the the need for expansive documentation that is effective that's serving the value-based programs, uh, quality-based, uh, it's just not going to stand up, or we're not we're going to be left aside because eventually uh, DIGs are going to be we're going to be paid best on episode groupers. Uh, and not specifically DRGs. We don't need to run around like chickens with a head cut off trying to find CCs and MCCs. We're going to have to find. We're going to have to demonstrate the need for care in the hospital and the diagnosis and the resource consumption and uh, and uh, documentation of medical necessity uh, to keep patients out of the hospital. So that's what we're going to need to be doing. Well, Glenn, thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was quite, uh, I would say it's quite uh, uh, quite interesting and a lot of fun. People don't think it's fun, but I yeah. uh, sharing my knowledge is fun. I hope people uh, listen to it. So there you have it. That's Glenn Krause. I do want to thank him for being part of the podcast. Again, you could check him out on LinkedIn, Glenn Krause on LinkedIn. You'll find everything there. You can also even check him out on ICD10monitor.com. He's a frequent contributor to the Talk 10 Tuesdays podcast. Coming up on the next episode of Not Elsewhere Classified. You know, when you work from home, it's great uh, for the most part, but it's pretty lonely. You, you know, you know, you uh, <laughs> you don't have office mates to talk to. You know, you're kind of on your own. You're in your house all the time. Not Elsewhere Classified is presented and produced by Medical Coding Geek. The host and creator is Brian Kui. Music was brought to you by 43. Medical Coding Geek offers private tutoring and media services for the medical coding, health information management, and clinical documentation improvement community. You can find Medical Coding Geek on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MedCodingGeek. You can also find Not Elsewhere Classified on Facebook and Instagram at NEC Podcast. Check out our website, medicalcodinggeek.com, where you can find and listen to all the podcast episodes, talking points, and the show notes. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your feedback helps this show reach a wider audience. We would definitely appreciate it. And lastly, I want to thank you for being part of this podcast. I am Jennifer Costello from Chicago, Illinois, and you have just listened to Not Elsewhere Classified. Thank you so much for being with us today. MedicalCodingGeek.com this podcast is supported by Weebly.com. Have a product? Building a company? You'll need a website. Create your site with Weebly's drag-and-drop website builder and responsive themes without any technical experience. Believe me, I built my website in under 30 minutes. It really is that easy. Listeners of this podcast will receive a 10% discount on any Weebly subscription plan or promote plan. To get this discount, go to Weebly. That's W-E-E-B-L-Y dot MedicalCodingGeek dot com. Again, that's Weebly dot MedicalCodingGeek dot com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number five. God, no, it's not a five. It's number nine. Hold on.